1: Welcome back. Hope everyone we're gonna have a fantastic weekend. Um I'm unmuting Julie now. Julie, are you there? I hope so. Julie. You are they indeed. Can hear me so twelve signs you have Yes. You can hear yourself breathing. That's a very, very important <laughs> thing to have mm-hmm. that uh yeah. no- notice you know, Monday. that you're breathing. A- exactly, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So twelve signs, you have an entrepreneurial mindset. This is part three. We're gonna go through these points. Um Julie, before we jump back onto point numero uno, anything interesting from your coaching calls and anything you've read? I've been reading constantly since I got up this morning.
2: Well, let's see. I would say from the front lines of agents who are working their butts off fourth quarter doing what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it, in spite of the world trying to tell them not to, uh, lots of interesting negotiating is going on. I'm seeing a resurgence of the seller's offer to buyer, which I'm sure many of our podcast listeners have no idea what we're talking about, so we can talk about that if you wanted to. Uh, Let's see. Lots of power going towards the buyer side with inspections, so things are definitely changing. You know, the real estate uh, reset as we know it. That's what I'm seeing.
1: We need to – yeah. Do you know the uh, series? I just actually read a long – it was like – it was 13 pages. It was notes from a mastermind meeting that someone had just uh, attended with Gary Keller one of my personal mm-hmm. coaching clients. And um, I'll, we'll, use some, we'll share some of those notes, that, and they weren't copyrighted, so I can share um, what we read or what I read with all of you guys on future podcasts. I'm in the process of doing that now. But I have to tell you, some of the things that he uh, had to say about the real estate markets uh, were just in perfect alignment to what Julie and I have been telling you guys the past couple of years. No big surprise there, obviously. But the Really fascinating thing, Julie, um, is that he is using the Real Estate Reset in, five, in four different uh, sections, just like we did when we presented that content a couple months ago. So maybe, maybe Gary Keller is a fan of our podcast. Who knows? It's possible, yeah, right?
2: There you go. Pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah,
1: well, but he he was talking, you know, he was saying exactly what we expressed to you guys a long time ago, that when you're in phase two of the reset, which is what most of the country is in now, that's sort of the most arduous, difficult time because sellers are in denial about their property values, and buyers are in denial, and just the whole thing is just a big mess. Now, add to that the consternation that comes from rising interest rates, the fear of rising interest rates. Um, You know, so a lot of people are very nervous, don't know what to do. And, uh, Julie, this is very fascinating. What he kept on drilling Mm -hmm. back down on and during this mastermind was he didn't say the real estate magic number, but what he kept on Mm -hmm. going back to is essentially taking listings and increasing the number of sellable listings that you have. So the total focus of this mastermind meeting he had, right, with some of the top producing KW agents in the world, was exactly Mm -hmm. what we've been telling all of you for the past, what, two, three years was going to happen um, mm-hmm. How did Julie and I know that the real estate market was going to slow down? Did we have some sort of, you know, <laughs> did we jump into a time machine or have tea leaves or a crystal ball? No, because it was pretty predictable, but things run in cycles. Um, and uh, what we saw happening back in 06, really, was starting to happen about two years ago in the same exact, very predictable, almost boring way. I mean, we saw upper and real estate starting to slow down. We saw some of the hottest markets starting to cool down. Then we saw New York City take a complete reversal, and then boom, 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 boom. Same exact thing happened back in 06, 07, 08 is happening again. We don't think it's going to be a colossal crash like it was. So those of you who lived back through that huge slowdown, uh, you know, 12 years ago, we don't see any reason to believe it's going to be the same. Lots and lots of things are different. Demographics are different. The overall economy is different. But there is a slowdown in uh, housing that's going to have a meaningful impact on many agents' lives, especially those who are unprepared. So listen, guys, this isn't the topic of today's podcast. We have done so many podcasts on the real estate reset. Well, there's four specific ones that I want all of you guys to do or find. Go to iTunes, or frankly, it's easier just to go over to TimAndJulieHarris.com and just put it into the search bar, put in real estate reset, or just put in the word reset, the search bar. You know, with a little looking glass, it's the upper uh, right-hand side of the screen. Just drop the word reset or real estate reset in there, and you'll see the uh, podcast just waiting there for you in sequential order. And just hit play. You know, you can just listen right off our website. That's the easiest and quickest way to do it. And then there's a lot of other information that we put in there, too, not just – you know the the point of the podcast, those series of podcasts was to let you know what was happening, let you know what would happen next. That's really the essence of it. We want you guys to be over prepared for whatever you know shift is happening now or will be happening in your market soon um, but the real The real takeaway that I hope all of you are getting because I think those of you who have lived through the the real estate shit show that was twelve years ago, you kind of intuitively know how bad it can be. When I was when Julie and I were constructing those podcasts, putting the content together, we were really thinking about all those who is most of you ninety five percent probably listening right now haven't been through a reset don 't know what it's like to have to sell through a real estate crash, being a hundred percent commissioned salesperson. so you really don't know so when we were putting that detailed information together, the whole point was is so that you you can say you can identify where your market is, what phase it's in, and then you can also convey that information to your real estate consumers, buyers and sellers. You can say, this is what phase we're in. This is what phase we're going into. Some of you guys do, you know, you have your own podcast. You do your own uh, media syndication of some form. Maybe it's a newsletter to your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. You need to be educated about what's actually happening in your marketplace. You need to become, you know, as many people have been saying, and it's so true, the hyper-local expert about your real estate market. The only way, ultimately, that you're going to uh, compete in the future is being an absolute real estate guru, if that's even a strong enough term, for your individual market. Now your market can be large, it can be small. If you choose to work in a large geographic area, it's obviously going to require more studying on your behalf to you know, be very versed with the information. But the fact is, is nowadays it's very easy to have a good bit of information um, at your fingertips through the Internet. You know, when I'm just as a for example, and this is something that is going to be really important as we enter into phase three, because right now most of the country is in phase two denial. Phase three is when the market bottoms, phase three is when you know, buyers start buying again, when sellers just frankly just throw their hands up and say, whatever it takes to get the house sold, get it sold. We're definitely not in phase three now. But as we enter into phase three, there's two things I want you guys to be doing. And this is all laid out in those podcasts. But number one, I want you to absolutely focus on becoming a real true expert in your marketplace. Because in phase three, you're also going to be able to go into personal wealth building mode. Wealth building is not um, most I have never experienced Personally, Julie and I, or talk to anybody who has a consistent path up in terms of wealth building. Most people have wealth building spurts, and a wealth build building spurt can last wealth lasts a month. That's just a good month. But you know, maybe it lasts a year, maybe it lasts five years, maybe it lasts ten years. Um, but what you've got to do is you've got to identify what, what, where you are in your own personal wealth building. So if you're coming out of this last 10 years and you haven't an increase, uh, significantly increased your net worth, maybe you're relatively new to real estate or maybe you were just unburying yourself from the last crash, well, guess what? Things have sort of worked out for you because it's frankly easier to build wealth on a real estate correction than it is when the sellers are you know, having uh, too much aspirational pricing, as we like to say. In a market where the market's shifting, where prices are falling, you can pick up some – sometimes you can pick up such amazing values and bargains, but you've got to be what? in you have to be producing income yourself. You have to have money yourself to take advantage of these opportunities that, you know, they don't come very often. You'll have this cycle again. This one, the bottom will probably last in some markets for – it hasn't been reached yet. It's, I don't even think it's been the bottom's hit in New York City and things like that. So let's just say, you know, this is what we predicted, that by the end of 2019, most of the markets will be in uh, essentially firmly in phase three. So you're looking at realistically after that another two years in most markets for, that, uh, for the buyer's market to sort, of sort, of, uh, sort itself out and then go back to being a seller's market. Just for reference – the real estate market, everyone said the real estate uh, crash happened in '08. That's absolutely not true. It started to crash, and uh, Julie and I were coaching, and so we knew because we started seeing all of our agents across the country have their pendings fall out. It was in um, fourth, third quarter of 2007. Now, by third quarter of 2008, the rest of the world knew about it, but because Julie and I were on the front lines with all of you, we knew it actually started really in some markets it started in '06. But let's just say third quarter of 07. So what was the time frame? Let's just say from third quarter of 07, how long – that's when essentially everyone was in agreement that the market had changed. Then how long did it take for the market to actually go through the cycle of depreciating, hitting bottom, and then going back to a seller's market? Well, many people believe, including Julie and I, that the seller's market didn't return really for most of the country in a meaningful way until 2011. How many years is that, listeners? That's a lot of damn years. That's five years. So we're looking at basically the same cycle that's going to be happening again. Will it last five years? Don't think so. Could it? Absolutely. depends on your market. depends on what's actually going on in your market as far as prices. It depends how ahead of the skis your market pricing has, has gotten. It depends on what interest rates do, a lot of things. But the point is, is right now, you need to be preparing. And to not being prepared in a market that we're transitioning into, you're absolutely asking yourself, uh, you're, you're going to fail. There's no, there's no gray area in a changing market like this. Um, the other thing I've been getting a lot of emails about, Julie, as well, and most of these have been coming from brokers, which is no surprise because Julie and I personally coach a lot of top brokers that, uh, yeah, they're worried about their expenses. Damn, what you should be, you should be not worried. Yeah. You should be absolutely losing sleep at night over your expenses. And you're asking, they always ask us, they're asking us permission to cut some of these uh, sacred cow expenses that they've had forever, most of which are around lead generation. And so Julie and I get a lot of emails, Tim and Julie, what do you think about this? What do you think about, blah, 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 we, So most of which we know, maybe we know the company, maybe we know the person who founded the company as far as the lead generation. You know, we've been in the industry for two decades. So we know we're just wired in everywhere. But it's like every single email we get, it's about paid lead generation of some form or a system that you're thinking about canceling or adding maybe that's about uh, taking care of the leads that you generated. So here's what we're telling everyone in brokers, and this is going to lead perfectly back into thinking like an entrepreneur because hopefully, um, you know, I chose this intro that was unscripted intentionally because I want you guys to think like entrepreneurs because Julie and I are entrepreneurs. We have been our whole adult lives. So uh, as far as like expenses go, here's what's going to happen in this market shift. Those of you who are dependent on buying your leads are absolutely going to suffer and probably fail because when there is a market shift like this, if you're not a dominant listing agent generating your own leads, brokers who have built their businesses based on, I'm a team. We are team models where we provide agents leads, and these leads, we charge referral fees and all the rest of it. What's going to happen, and it's already happening, is the value of those leads, the quality of those leads is going to continue to diminish. Um, and as you, here's the real fear I have for you as a broker, and this is really the bottom line. If you're not generating your own leads, if you're not generating your own listings, that means that you don't own the customer's relationship. That means that you're not in control of the conversation, whoever you bought the lead is. And as long as you stay in this dependency mode, you're never an entrepreneur. You're just basically a transactional type person. You're just essentially – you don't have a business. You really don't. If you don't generate your own business, if you don't generate your own listing business, and you're buying everything from Zillow, let's say – uh, you are absolutely not going to make the next market shift. You just won't. There's too many constraints that we put on the, buyer, the nature of the buyers is going to go to crap. There's no reliable source to buy listing leads. You have to generate those your, yourself, and that will always be true, by the way, because sellers are smart. They're going to be very selective who they work with. There was an interesting statistic, Julie. I read the um, like I said, I've been doing a lot of reading lately. So, uh, what was it? Uh, Zillow did their uh, public filings recently, and their agent churn—I don't think I told you this—the number of agents they have canceling out of Premier, uh, out of their, um, uh, you know, their uh, you know, selling leads program is increasing. Yeah. So they're having more agents cancel. But here's the other. Th- here's the other thing I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Well, fifty percent of the leads, basically, that are funneling through uh, Zillow and these other aggregators, 50% don't ever get followed up on by agents, even the agents that are buying them. But here's the number that really shocked me. Um, that last number I may have had was, may, have been, may have been 60%. I don't remember, but here's what really shocked me. In a survey, 50% of all the people that are contacting an agent through Zillow, and this is, I believe, Zillow's own statistic, thought they were communicating or emailing the listing agent. And so agents who are buying these leads from Zillow, and this has been a truth from the beginning, agents who are buying these leads from Zillow are starting their relationship out with these consumers based on kind of a lie, aren't they? because they're trying mm-hmm. to uh, they were trying to basically Zillow got the agent to, or the seller or the buyer rather to fill up the form with the idea that they were going to be communicating directly with a listing agent, otherwise they would have made it clearer on the website. it says sponsored by Sally Sue Lu, where maybe it should say. You know, here's the listing agent, here's the agent who's paying to maybe look like they're the listing agent, which would you rather contact? See guys, when I say your business is uh, essentially on thin ice, because just think about what I'm saying now. You're buying buyer leads, and those buyer leads you're buying from Zillow, 50% of them think they're contacting the listing agent. So when they talk with you and they learn that they didn't contact the listing agent, they learn that they contacted someone buying a lead, what are the chances of that uh, buyer who may have a house to sell? What are the chances of them trusting you? Don't you think it goes down fairly dramatically? Isn't that kind of a bait-and-switch type and, situation? I th- I think it is. Okay? So there's yeah, a lot well, of reasons so then the why.
2: The other 50%, I, I just have to jump in here because one of the questions that I get from agents who have yet to break up with their lead dealers, shall we call them, um, <laughs> is that the other uh, 50% who isn't thinking they're calling the listing agent and actually is smart enough to ask, are you the listing agent? One of the questions I get is, what's the script that I use on that? And they're looking for me to okay them to either tell lie you to a the lie. client.
1: Tell them how to lie. Or come yep. up,
2: that's right, or come up with some magic script that gets them to trust them. And I always tell them the same thing. That script doesn't exist. You're starting out on a you know a horrible basis when you even get those calls, if you even are calling them back, the whole thing is pretty twisted if you think about it.
1: Well, no, it's not pretty twisted. It is twisted. And, and the fact that, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, it just racks my brain. Imagine if there was an agent in your marketplace, guys, nowadays, who was running ads, print ads, in your marketplace where they didn't and they, – they're your listings. It's a competing broker. But what they did is they went to your website or they went to the MLS and they took these listings that were your listings, your mom's house, and they are running an ad for it. And nowhere on the listing do they clearly say that this is not their listing. Would you be angry about that? I mean, is it legal in your MLS? It might be, but I bet you it's legal with permission because that's how Zillow gets away with it. But what do they do when they advertise for you? You buy you agents who are still you know addicted to buying buyer leads. You are not. You are literally starting this relationship predicated on what most people would agree is at the very least a little bit of a sketchy, uh, you know. Relationship. Let's just leave it at that. It's a little bit sketchy because you have to overcome that 50 – and again, the consumers believe they're contacting a listing agent. And you guys who are buying these leads from Zillow or thinking about doing it, you know they think that. So you're part and parcel to that. How does that make you feel when you are returning those calls? So this goes back to the, their little statistic that essentially like a lot of these leads that agents are buying, they never follow up on. It's because they – it's not because they – Necessarily don't have time or don't know what to say. It's probably because a lot of them did follow up on a few of the leads, realize that they're entering this relationship on a little maybe lie, contentious, yeah. you know, sketchy. So why would they want to keep following up? They don't up want that? to do it because it makes them. They don't want to do it because it makes them feel swarmy. I'm guessing that's mm-hmm. the real reason why. So few, so few agents who are buying leads from Zillow actually follow up on them. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. We're going to be talking more about Just this over the following weeks. Well, guys, because here's the thing. We're coming through. We're coming. It's at the end of a a, a cycle. And this is the third end of a cycle that Julie and I have been, you know, in the real estate business from. And it's fascinating as hell for us to watch how these – by end of a cycle, I mean, again, I have to remind myself that many of you haven't been in business that long, but what happens is every time there's a new boom market that starts, you are going to see all kinds of these new great clever whatever silver bullet type things that bubble up ideas and then it's it's predictable to see what's going to happen with those things. And this is in real estate specifically. I'm not I don't know about other industries as well. But then you know, it's the buying lead cycle. It's the team cycle. It's the all oh if you don't have a team you're a pile of dog poop. All these types of things that agents have been told for the last ten years. Well it turns out teams don't make any money it turns out basically in a changing market team, owners go broke. turns out that, no, nah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And then there's the whole buying leads thing. You know, the whole, all these things, guys, that we talk about. Well, here's another fun article that uh, I mentioned this on Friday that, um, or Thursday when um, Teak Wiggins at Inman, he, he takes NARS statistics. NARS publishes this great article, great report. Essentially, agents with personal websites get zero business from them. I mean, how can you possibly say that? Read the report. It's on Inman. It's very fascinating, talking again about the fact that personal websites, and how many of you right now are spending bazillions of dollars on your personal website, think it's important you have a personal website. Your office manager, your broker, your coach, or whoever may have sold you a personal website, right? You guys with me on this? But you get no business from it. The reason you don't get business from it is because the war has long since been over, and you're never going to place with Google in any meaningful way for search. And it, you just your ego tells you you have to per, have a personal website in order to, quote, unquote, be a business. Just have a, a free business uh, Facebook page if that's what you want to do. It's free. It costs you nothing. But how many of these businesses are in existence right now? Because agents thought they had to have a personal business uh, website. There are... I bet you there's hundreds of millions of dollars every year that's being wasted by agents who get zero business from their personal agent websites, who are told that they should have one. All that comes to an end in a market like this. That excites me. It does. Because then finally we can get back to what matters most in real estate. So, Julie, let's go through your remaining points, please.
2: Well… We have been talking about, I don't think we'll get through very many of them today, but we'll make it a continuation, 12 signs that you have an entrepreneurial mindset, which is, of course, related to what we've been talking about. Uh, We started this last uh, couple podcasts ago. So point number two, you're scared. Now, how would that be an entrepreneurial mindset? I love this point because I use it in coaching all the time. That's right. Research <clears throat> excuse me, reveals that entrepreneurs, by and large, are actually scared, but it's not a negative attribute. In fact, having a level of fear is what makes many entrepreneurs what we would call frosty. Fear keeps you alive. It creates focus and drive to succeed no matter what. Susan Jeffers wrote the book, and I love this book. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, kind of like do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at a high level. But here's a quote from her. Uh, pushing through the fear is less frightening than living with the bigger underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. This is the one truth that some people have a difficulty understanding. When you push through the fear, you will feel such a sense of relief as your feeling of helplessness subsides. You will wonder why you did not take action sooner. You will become more and more aware that you can truly handle anything that life handles hands you. So <clears throat> great book and very effective and very congruent what what we teach anything you want to add and i'll do number three here
1: no go keep going all right
2: perfect so go julie uh, go julie entrepreneurial points you are resourceful Uh, One of my favorite TV shows growing up was MacGyver, confides Tony, however you say his last name, lifelong entrepreneur and CEO of Las Vegas-based Zappos, because he never had exactly the resources he needed, but would somehow figure out how to make everything work out. Ultimately, I think that that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. It's not about having enough resources, he explains, but being resourceful with what you do have. In real estate, this means letting go of the excuse that you don't have what it takes, and there's so many different flavors of that. I don't have the experience. I don't have the right computer, CRM, phone system, you know, broker, whatever. I can't prospect until I have my scripts perfect. I can't find any phone numbers, blah, blah, blah. Taking action is more important than being perfect, having the right tools and systems. Earn while you learn. That's what entrepreneurs do. So your job is to be the MacGyver of real estate. It's okay to figure it out as you go. We certainly did. <laughs> I often, Tim, when, the, when I'm having a conversation with our uh, coaching clients that they're uncomfortable with some kind of new spoke. Maybe it's probate or expireds or unrepresented owners. Maybe it's the first time they've ever really competed for listings. I always remind them about the first time they showed a buyer property, right? Because most people start out with buyers, and I usually tell them the story. of I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but our first buyer he must have been an open house lead or something, but we were showing property fairly late in the evening. And he said, why, yes, I think I'd like to buy this house. Well, we didn't have a key to our office yet, (laughs) to our REMAX office. Um, I didn't know how to work a lockbox. I think I had reviewed a contract once. You know, back then, that was uncomfortable too. And look how comfortable most of you guys are with buyers now. So it's okay to have to MacGyver your way through some things and to let go of ever thinking that you're actually going to be perfect in real estate. It's not possible. So point number four, and then I've got to go to Premier. You obsess over cash flow. Why, that's an uncomfortable question for some of you guys. Yes, we're talking about money again. Uh, Prior to founding BrainShark, a Waltham, Massachusetts-based provider of sales productivity software, um, Joe Gustafson bootstrapped a venture called Relational Courseware, and he says – all I ever thought about was cash flow and liquidity. There were seven times in the company's eight-year history when I was days or hours away from payroll and didn't have the cash to, uh, to make it. So what is the product of your real estate practice? Always a fun question at events. And yes, you guys are having lots of different answers, but the real answer is profit. Tracking where your income is now versus where you need it to be is a sign of business maturity and an entrepreneurial mindset. How many agents can't define what it is that they want, what they've made year-to-date, and what they need to do to close that gap? So that's what the treasure map is for, right? It teaches you – there's a big part of the treasure map called my financial picture. That's the first step, and we've talked to you about this on other podcasts, but the action step is to be sure you know the following at all times. Cash flow required to fuel your basic monthly expenses – Cash flow to keep your taxes paid on time. Cash flow to fuel the lifestyle of your dreams. This includes things like paying off debt, building up your cash reserves, paying cash for expenses going forward. And of course, that leads you to how many transactions based on your average net commission must you create to meet or exceed your goals. And that leads to your magic number that we did uh, two or three podcasts on last week. How many listings does it take to create a predictable number of monthly closings? All of our business plans focus not just on you know, taking action and building your lead generation, but it's profit-driven tracking. That's why we teach you about whiteboards and all the other treasure map stuff. I'm going to turn this over to you, Tim, so I can get ready for Premier. And that's my point du jour. Back to you.
1: Okay, thank you, Derek. So, uh, Premier, by the way, guys, you guys have to be going to pr- uh, uh, Premier Coaching Members. Make sure you're attending coaching sessions live. Julie runs those sessions three or four days of the week. So, if you want to have direct communication with what has been refer- she's been referred to many times as the nation's number one real estate coach, there you go. By the way, if you guys do not have your real estate business plan done yet, I strongly encourage you to go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. When you do, we'll give you a free copy of the Real Estate Treasure Map along with six other books. These are the exact the Treasure Map, just right there. Full stop. Needs to be done right away. It's a fill-in-the-blank business plan, and then we also give you a copy of Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, another fantastic book for you to really get started uh, and get your mind straight for 2019. For those of you who are still on the front lines, like we are. And I say still because, let's be honest, most of the country is checked out for November or December. I salute you, and I mean that with all sincerity. And I love the emails. This time of year, going into probably about March, we hear from the best agents because you guys are drilled down, focused, listening to what we say. You're taking action. You're getting your head right about the new market. You're focused on taking listings. You're A lot of you are finally <laughs> – the emails I enjoy reading are the ones where you're fessing up that you've been a magic button chaser for like the past 10 years, and you've been seeing these things slowly or in some cases very quickly uh, essentially – degenerate in terms of their effectiveness and now you're saying i wish i would have listened to you guys 10 years ago well now is your opportunity you do have opportunities right now to really build up your listing inventory i strongly encourage you uh to start with um considering becoming a premier coaching member just go to free coaching calls for free coaching calls for agents.com. if you need julie and i for anything uh please just email us directly it's tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com thanks have a fantastic day